1 Thessalonians 1. Greetings from Paul. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We are writing to you, the church in Thessalonica, to you who belong to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God give you grace and peace. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to God and our Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave us full assurance that what we said was true. And you know now of our concern from you, from the way that we lived and we were with you. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit, in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need, we don't need to tell them about it, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Praise God. Good morning. Wasn't that an amazing rendering of God Bless America? I want you to say thank you to Sophia again. Come right out here and uh, yes. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. She has a great story of knowing Jesus and also uh, knowing his presence, helping her through her present battles and uh, you can be praying for her. Her name is Sophia. Amen. Well, it's so good to see you today on uh, this July 4th weekend. And um, our numbers are depleted because of the July 4th weekend. You may be visiting because you're in town for this week and um, uh, the, the holiday time here. Um, you come to us, if you're here for the first time, <clears throat> in the second week of a series that we are calling Fire. And we are talking about the uh, doctrine and work of Holy Spirit. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the church. Last week, I, I spoke about the baptism in Holy Spirit. We talked about being drenched, being filled with Holy Spirit. And we said that it was a cooperation between God and us. God, the Holy Spirit, fills us. And we speak out his praise, both in English and in tongues, that he gives us as a wonderful double blessing of receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You know, this week I was out walking. I tried to keep fit. And uh, as you can see, it's a struggle. But I try and keep fit. And I was out walking, and I walked past the park, uh, that's on the, the walk that I take, and I watched as a, 
a dad was pushing his little one on a swing. And, um, you know, the harder you push a swing, the higher it will go. You push, and then there's a momentum that comes, and, um, and the more you push, the higher the swing goes. Well, this little one was on the swing, evidently enjoying it, and I heard him shouting, more, daddy, more. And so it was, the momentum of the swing went, and um, he pushed his son a little higher, and with great shrills of joy, uh, the boy was enjoying that swing, the momentum that came with every push that was made. You know, when it comes to Holy Spirit, the more you press into Holy Spirit, the more the blessing of God comes upon you. The more it is that you open your life to the power of God and the anointing of God, so it is the more you will experience of the Holy Spirit. Hey, listen, if you're waiting just to come to this building to experience the power of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you are robbing yourself because He's available 24 hours of every day and will fill you and will keep the momentum of your life going. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14, 15. He said, I will pray in the Spirit and I will also pray in the understanding. I will sing in the Spirit and I will sing in the understanding. In other words, he's saying, I'm flowing from tongues into English. You know, theologians would like to take that scripture and make, it think, make us think it means something else because they don't believe in speaking in tongues. Well, I'm here to tell you, I'm not a theologian, but I know the anointing of God and the presence of Holy Spirit. And I tell you that that scripture is saying that we pray in tongues and we pray in the understanding. We sing in tongues and we sing in the understanding. It's the anointing of God that draws worship from us. And so it is that you need to keep the momentum up of praying and pressing into God in the Spirit and knowing that momentum increase. I want to talk to you this morning about when the fire of God fell on those first disciples in the upper room in Jerusalem. You read about it in Acts chapter 2. And and actually what happened, not only did they get filled with Holy Spirit, but the church was formed. It was the beginning of the local church. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. So let's read what happens. The disciples have now been filled with Holy Spirit. And Acts chapter 2, 42 says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them, and all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money for those in need, with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, each and every day, 
the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, I want to talk to you about the local church, and I'll talk to you a lot about Riverside this morning. And uh, I'm going to be very vulnerable and open, and I want to challenge you this morning to listen to God's voice speaking over and above my voice. I I want you to experience God speaking to you on the inside. Now, I know a lot of people come to church and not many come to hear God speak to them. But I'm challenging you this morning to open your heart and to say, God, speak to me this morning. I want to hear your voice speaking directly to me. And God will speak to you, not only through my words, but through his voice that will speak into your heart. And so it is that whether you're here for the first time or you've been here forever, I want to invite you this morning to be a part of what God wants to do by the power of Holy Spirit through this local church that is called Riverside. You know, I was born again, surrendered my life to Jesus Christ on August the 23rd, 1963. I want to tell you I was born again with an incredible love for Jesus. And, uh, And not only that, but six months later, on February the 6th, 1964, I was drenched, saturated by Holy Spirit and spoke in new tongues just like they did in Acts chapter 2. That night, that day, a fire was lit inside of me and from that moment on, I've not only loved Jesus, but I have an incredible passion to see others come to know Jesus too. People who know me and hear me speak, they say, oh, he's an evangelist. I don't know if I am. I just know that I love Jesus and I want others to know him. I want others to come to know him as Savior and Lord. I I have found that um, ever since that time, uh, the churches that I love to attend and love to belong to have that similar passion. Churches that love Jesus and churches that want the world to know about Jesus. Now, over the years, I've met people who have said to me that they have negative feelings with regard to the local church. They claim, they claim to love Jesus but hate the church. They have been hurt and it has been that... Um, They have been let down by churches, it would seem, although, you know, a church can never let you down. Buildings don't let you down, but people do. And and they have left church after church and ended up, some of them, not going to church at all. And um, I even have friends, I even have friends um, who have this elevated spiritual place that they Uh, sit on where they say the things like, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't need the church, which is an incredible statement to say that you love Jesus, but you don't need the church is an incredible statement because you can't separate Jesus from his church. The fact is, the fact is he's married to his church. You know, when people talk to me and um, they, 
they, they say negative things about the church, I say, you need to be very, very careful. You see, I'm married to Letty, and, and if you started saying negative, negative bad things about Letty, I want to tell you, you'll have me to face up to. Oh, but, but listen, Jesus is married to his church, and you begin talking against the church, you keep running down the church, you will answer to Jesus in some way or another because it's his wife. The church is, is Jesus' wife. You need to get into your mind that the idea of the church was not our idea, it was his. It was Jesus' idea. Peter one day said to Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, flesh and blood have not revealed that to you. And he said, Peter, I want to tell you I'm going to build my church on that bedrock foundation that I am the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He says, I'm going to build my church. So you get this, friends. It's his church. It's not our church. It's his church. And he says, I will build my church and so, friends, this is a local church, and you better know it. It's important to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I think the problem that we have um, with church has happened because we have polluted Jesus' whole idea of church. So now we can be a crowd that simply come to church every Sunday when the fact is that the big idea of Jesus was and is that we're a crowd, we're the church that may come together, but then we go out into the community and we become the church in the community. So that it is that the church, the whole idea of church for Jesus was not just a gathering together, but a going out so that we are the church in the community and in our world. In Acts chapter, 40, uh, chapter 2, verse 42, it, there is this holy revolution that takes place. Where it was we see people filled with the Holy Spirit, the fire of God, becoming the local church, the local gathering of God's people in their community and then out to the world. They caught the vision and the passion of Jesus to work together and by the power of Holy Spirit to love their city and to love their world around them. See, we were always intended to do church together, friends. Verse 42 says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles and to their teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. See, as you read the New Testament, the words were never intended for me, they were intended for us. We were always intended to be together, to be the people of God, people of like precious faith that are together in the mission of Jesus Christ. I love what happens when people come to know Jesus. I love when people surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. I love leading people to Jesus. I had a young man that was in first service that just wandered into our office this, this week, uh, asked to see me, and, and before I knew it, I was leading him to Jesus and, and, and seeing him come with tears 
to Jesus and he was in church this morning with us. You see, I love it when God will move in on an individual life. I love what God can do through one single individual. But that all pales into almost nothing when a group of people come together, they pray together, they work together, and they go out together to serve their city and their world. There is something magnificent about that when a group of people now become the people of God that are now reaching their city. A a group that's united in coming together to serve Jesus. It's an amazing, amazing, great thing to see. The scripture that Nicole read so well for us this morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Look at the opening words again. It says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 1, the letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We're writing to the church in Thessalonica, to you who belong to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God give you grace and peace. And so the first thing you see is Paul is writing to a church, a local church in a local community in the city of Thessalonica. And then he states that the letter is from himself and two others. He is doing life with Silas and with Timothy. And so he says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church. He had made the decision, friends, that the local church was not about him. It is about us. That it is that the local church, in God's eyes, is a church in the local community working together, living together, and impacting a world together in the name of Jesus. We know that there are some here today, and the only time we see you is on a Sunday. And you're basically doing life on your own. That's not God's intention for you. We all need each other. Church in God's eyes is never an alone thing. So because we're sitting together this morning, we're sitting together in this room, it doesn't mean that we're walking together. We're sitting together, but it doesn't mean that we're doing life together. And we have to see the powerful thing that God wants to do is not through me, it's through us. It is us working together. It is us walking together. It is that now we will move out. You know, there are people here today, they don't live for their money. There are people here today that don't live for their fame. They're not looking for their own greatness. But they are a people living for the fame of Jesus Christ People who are living for the coming of Jesus into this world to change our world and to see people coming to know him. They work together to see their world changed. In Acts chapter 2, it was that now the Holy Spirit had filled those people in the upper room and they spill out onto the streets and all the streets are made aware that a mighty God thing has just happened And then it says this, Peter standing up with the eleven. So it wasn't Peter standing up on his own, but Peter standing up with the eleven. So it is not an alone thing. When Paul is writing here, it's Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church. It's not to an individual, it's to the church. 
You know, we all want to claim the promises of God in Scripture for ourselves. And, and there's something good about that. But as I read the Scriptures, especially the New Testament, I wonder if the promises of God are only available to people living together in community in a local church. Because he wrote to the church. It was not just to anybody. It was to the church. Because the church is the bride of Christ. I, I know it's not popular. And I know it's almost old-fashioned to speak about being committed and faithful to something bigger than me. Committed and faithful to something that isn't about me or isn't just about you, but it's about Jesus and us and the local church making an impact in the community. Now, it doesn't mean that we're all going to be on a church staff. I have another job getting the money to pay the staff we've got. But it does mean that we're all on mission. It does mean whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a housewife, a construction worker, a plumber, or a barista, the fact is that you, me, and everyone else together are on 24-7 mission for Jesus Christ. That wherever you are or whatever you're doing, you're representing not only Jesus, but the local church. That it is that now you are saying, I live for Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. And I want you to know the local church that Jesus loves and he wants you to be a part of. Uh, so it is that now you, me, and everyone else together will see something happening. We together are intended by God to impact the world like we could never do alone. Paul was saying, this is Paul and Silas and Timothy writing to a group of individuals. But you are a group of individuals that make up the church and you are a group of individuals in Thessalonica that want to see your city changed. He was writing to these people that had a passion and a burden for their city to be changed. Did you know that in America today, there are city authorities right now that are making new zoning requirements so that they can keep the church out of their city. It is getting very, very difficult in some cities for churches to be able to build or even to open. Because cities are saying, we would be better without you. That is what they're saying to the church, we would be better without you. There are cities who feel they would be better without us. And in many places, we have done such a bad job representing Jesus, it's no wonder they don't want us. A few years back, we had a fight with the city of Peoria over the repositioning of Big Al's, the adult club. And they were going to position it practically across the road from us. And to be honest with you, we were losing the battle. I wrote to the mayor and other city officials and I said, if this goes ahead, we will have to think of moving our church out of the city. The mayor wrote back and basically said, no way. We can't have you moving out of the city. You have changed the atmosphere of the city. Yes. 
And within weeks, friends, the plan for Big Al's all fell apart and the old idea was dropped and they never ended up across the street because God stepped in. I believe that we need to be the kind of churches that cities fight to keep because we are making such a difference. But we can only do that, friends, with committed together people. We can only make a difference together. It's not John King that's doing it. It's the church that's doing it. It is that together we make the difference. When, when Jesus spoke to the crowd of 120 in, in Acts chapter 1, he talked to them before the Holy Spirit had been poured out. And, and he said, now listen, listen, you're going to get an infilling of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say you're going to get shivers up your back. He didn't say when you get Holy Spirit that, that it is that you're going to have amazing times of worship. He didn't say when you get Holy Spirit, you'll be even, he didn't even mention speaking in tongues in this instance. But, but he says, he says this, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Witnesses to me. And look what he says. Listen to this carefully. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts, the ends of the earth. I noticed there as I read that this week that Jesus didn't start with individuals. He, said, he didn't say, You'll be, you, you will be a witness to me to John or Fred or Martha or whoever. No, he started with the city. He says, you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, the city that they were in. And then he said, you'll go to Judea, which would be like the county that they were in. And then he would go to Samaria. That shocked them because the Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. And so he was saying, you'll go to people that are different to you. You'll go to people that don't look like you, talk like you, and that you really hate, but you'll go to them. And then he didn't stop there. He says, you'll go to the uttermost parts of the world by the power of Holy Spirit. What if Jesus is saying to Riverside Community Church, I I'm going to fill you with my fire and I want you to take on the 380, 447 for 380,447 uh, people that live in the tri-county area. That's going to be your initial thing. You're going to be filled with the Spirit, and there are 380,000 and more people that you are now going out and that you are going to take the city. What if it was? What if it was that Jesus is saying, I want you to take on this small project of turning Peoria and the surrounding areas upside down by the power of the Holy Spirit? See, the scripture that we read this morning was about the city of Thessalonica. And it came about because Paul and Silas went there to preach the gospel. And you read about it in Acts chapter 17. And when they got there, it wasn't easy. And in fact, the city hated it, and they fought them like crazy. But look what they said. This is what the authorities said. Listen to the, the, the little story here in Acts 17. But the Jews who were not persuaded, become a, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, 
they set all the city in uproar and attacked the house of Jason, one of the leaders, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, listen to what they said, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And so here we are. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great, friends, if it was that we were known as the people who turned Peoria and the surrounding cities upside down with the message of Jesus Christ? Well, it all started in Acts chapter 2. That little crowd meeting in that upper room, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and now they're turning cities upside down. They had no lights, they had no sound, they had no internet. All they had was the mighty Holy Spirit of God. They were inspired by love, the Scripture scripture says, an enduring hope. But it says in 1 Thessalonians 1.8, everybody was talking about them everywhere. It tells me that we have work to do, brothers and sisters, because there are people down the street from here that don't know we exist. Did you know that there are people in East Peoria, Creepco, Dunlap, Pekin, who don't know anything about us? And a lot of them don't know anything about Jesus and his love. Oh, don't get me wrong, there are people all over the city that can tell of being impacted by Jesus and, and impacted by Riverside. Pastors who tell me that we're doing what they should be doing, but they aren't. But how much more could be happening? at a greater level if you got involved. You say, well, you know, John, I tried to get involved, but no one got back to me. Now, if I should ask, if that's happened to you, we'd have hands going up. I'm sure it has. And and I'm desperately sorry about that. I don't like to hear that. But you know, you know, I've come to the place, you know, you know I'm getting older. How many know you change as you get older? And I'm waiting for the elders to say, you're too old, get out the way, we'll get a young man. Um, but, you know, I, I'm getting to the place where this vision and passion is so overwhelming that really I, I'm looking for people who don't wait for people to get back to them. Oh no, you're so determined and you're so courageous and you're so sure of the call of God to this church that you need to be working in that you're not waiting for anyone to get back to you. You are knocking on our doors and you're keeping on knocking. You're asking and you're keeping on asking. And you're saying, I believe God's put me here. And if you get nowhere with anyone who you're contacting, you come and talk to me about it and I'll, I'll get things moving. I promise you that. You know, 17 years ago, we did what a lot of Christians thought was a cool thing. We came into the center of this city and we took a downtown theater and turned it into a place that the church come together in because the church is people, not a building. And it seemed to many who were watching, many who joined us back then, some of them not here today, it was the cool thing to do. We just were mindless people following the leading of God. I'll tell you what we were, friends. We were just a bunch of white people that got dumped in the city of Peoria and said, get on with it. And, and we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know if we were talking the right things. 
who you didn't know if we were saying and doing things right around you when there were so many different kinds of people around, different looking people, different speaking people, but we were dumped into the middle and God in his great mercy filled us with the Holy Ghost and we began to see something happening for the glory of God down here. All we were, all we were is a bunch of people longing for others to come to know Jesus. All we wanted, all we wanted was not to turn our back on the poor and the broken and the defenseless and those treated with injustice. It has been hard and it has been difficult, but it has been life transforming. I want to tell you, friends, it's been the hardest 17 years of my life. But I want to tell you, it has been the best 17 years when you see the transforming power of God changing lives. Many who were with us back then wanted the cool thing, found that cool wears off. Somebody told me that cool is lukewarm. Something about that in the Bible. But anyway, but cool wears pretty quickly off. And those wanting cool, but not in wanting the sweat and the tears and the anguish and dealing with the suffering, they left us for the next cool thing that they found here in the city. Because cool will keep on happening in different ways. But the original crowd stayed. 17 years, some of them have been with Riverside. We have people that work that you never see anything of, and they've been doing it week after week after week for 17 years. In fact, if you've been here 17 years, I don't know how many are in this service. If you've been with us from the beginning or in the first year, can you stand right now just for a moment? Can you just get up? Because I want to acknowledge you. Yeah. God bless you. Because it's just plain hard work. The question I'm asking Jesus right now is, what else are you wanting us to do? I'm asking Jesus right now, what must we do to love our city in the way that you want it loved right now? I'm asking him to show us how we can reach our city in this time. I believe that Jesus has shown me that we all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe he has shown me that we need to go back to our streets and community and out into our city and show them Jesus by the power of Holy Spirit. I I believe that we need to be an army of Spirit-filled people going out of here with supernatural signs and wonders following the preaching of the Word of God, healing miracles and signs and wonders happening, and seeing our city shook by the power of the Holy Spirit. People no longer afraid to share Jesus with others. People no longer afraid to pray for the sick and the dying. Not afraid any longer to drive back darkness. How many know that greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world? How many know that there is power within you by the Holy Spirit that the devil has to run from, that the devil hates? He'll resist it, but he can't stand against it. 
when you are moving under the anointing of the power of God. And so it is that we will go out and reach the darkest areas of our land so that we will reach the Dunlaps and we'll reach the South Side. You know, we often like to say the South Side's the dark place. I want to tell you, friends, there's plenty of darkness in Dunlap. I want to tell you there are people that need reaching for Jesus there as much as the South Side. But we'll go to the north and the south and the east and the west, drive back the darkness and let them know that Jesus is alive. Now, we're nearly done here this morning. Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47 is a picture of the church as I feel we should see it. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles. In other words, they devoted themselves to the leaders and their teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. And they worshipped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to the number, added to their fellowship, those who were being saved. I believe that there are those here today who are filled with Holy Spirit and you need to recommit yourself to the local church. That it is that you need again to be a part of the Riverside team. And then there's others here and you're wondering why you're here. You say, I didn't even plan to come to Riverside today. I don't know how I got here. I know how you got here. I prayed that you'd be here. I was praying this morning, send people in that you want to be a part of what we are, st- are doing down here in the city. And so it is that now you need to become devoted, devoted people to what God is doing, and you will begin to see awe-inspiring things happening. People, as we in Acts 2, see each day the Lord adding people to be saved. Listen, friends, I believe the church. Yes, it's a place where people come and get saved, but that's not the primary reason of the church building. You see, we're intended to be leading people to Jesus out there in our streets and in our community, and then we bring them to church with us on a Sunday and and see the church grow in that way. Uh, Do you know, I got to tell you this burden, it came as a shock and a burden to me. You know, we, we, uh, I, I was talking about why aren't we bringing people in um, from around the city? And the stark reality is that there's a little bit of fear um, because um, if we bring people in, we're finding more and more that we're bringing dysfunctional people in off the streets and around the area here. And, and many of them are from single-parent homes. How many know that so often when there's not a male presence in the home, that it is that kids tend to run a little bit riot? Not always, but it happens. And it says that we could bring so many in, but we'll not be able to handle them. Here's my challenge. My challenge is for men. 
You know, we have, we have more, we are, we are so indebted to women in the church. If it wasn't for women, the church wouldn't exist. Uh, but the fact is, we need men. I need men right now that will sign up for once a month to be in our children's department so that now that male presence will be something that some of those kids, that will be the only male presence they have in their lives. And it will be that you will help and see these kids coming to know Jesus and growing up with the, the fact that you were there as a male input into their lives. I need men that will stand up and say, I'll be a part of that. I'll be a part of that. And you can sign up today at the front desk and, and give your name and, and as many men that will just give me one Sunday a month to be in our kids' department. It will absolutely revolutionize what we're doing there in our children's ministry. So I'm wondering if there are any folk here today. You're saying, God, I believe that you have divine purpose in me being in church today. God, you have spoke to me even as I prayed at the beginning that you would speak to me. And you need to recommit yourself to the local church. You need to say, God, I realize it's not just attending church on Sunday, but it's being a part of what that church is so that I'm helping minister to the poor and the broken and the destitute, so that I'm seeking all the time to lead people to Jesus. Hey, listen, friends, we're not in the city just to have comfortable church. In fact, we don't have comfortable church in the city. It's hard work in the city. It is that we're not in the city just because there was a building in the city. We're here because Jesus put us here to shine as a light in this city and to affect this city with the gospel. Hey, listen, we haven't got the dream center. The dream center does not exist just to house homeless women. It doesn't exist just to take in single parents with their kids who would be on the streets. It doesn't exist just to do after-school programs and to do programs that are helping kids get into business. It's not just teaching them how to do stuff. Listen, our goal, our main goal, is that everyone that touches the Dream Center comes near the Dream Center will come to know Jesus as their Savior. That is our goal. That is the intention. That is why we have Jesus is over the top of our building there at the Dream Center. Jesus is. People are coming to know Jesus. And that's the reason why we exist. You know, as I thought about cities, I, I thought about cities like the city Paris. Paris is a city of romance. Washington, D.C., believe it or not, is a city known as the city of power. New York City is known as the city of finance. You know, Peoria was known as the city of Caterpillar. But I felt God speak to me and said, John, I want Peoria known as a city of revival that will spread, that will break out of its building. That it will be that Peoria will be known. You know, one famous preacher, you may not have known know him, one that has been a great, great pastor. His name is Jack Hayford. He had a dream. 
And, and he said, I saw a map of America. And he said, I suddenly saw as I looked at this map, it burst into flames right at the center. And he said, when I looked to see what city it was that that flame burst out of, he said, I believe God was telling me that revival is coming to America. He says, as I looked at it, it was the city of Peoria that caught a light and just spread like crazy. I'm not too old to believe that it can happen. I'm not, all, I'm, not, I'm not at the place of saying, okay, God, I'm ready to quit. You know, oh, <clears throat> we're doing good on time. Listen, I, I, was saying, I, was saying to, I was saying to Jesus, so many people talk about retirement and quitting and all the rest. And Jesus spoke deep into my mind. And he said, what were the last things that I said when I was on the cross? And I said, your last words out of your mouth, Jesus, was, it is finished. And he said, let me ask you, the work that I sent you to do, have you finished it? The work that I put you in Peoria to do, is it done? When I called you from the United Kingdom and uprooted you and planted you in Peoria, is the work that I sent you to do done? Can you say it is finished? And I wept and wept and I said, forgive me, it's not finished, it's not finished. He said, well, get on with it. <laughs> stand with me now, if you will. Will you stand? We're going to sing our way out of here in a moment. But I want you right now, if you're saying God has spoke to you this morning, I want to pray for you before you go. You say, John... Both your word and God speaking to me. God has spoke to me this morning and I'm surrendering my life to him right now. If that's you, just raise your hand up into heaven right now. You're saying, yeah, I'm hearing your voice, God. I'm hearing your voice. I surrender to you. Whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, wherever you want me to go, here I am. I'm available. God, I'm giving myself to you and your kingdom. Father, see these hands that are raised. Oh God, I pray that now you will put courage into them. I pray that you'll fill them with the Holy Spirit. I pray right now, oh God, that they will know that they are going to do what you want them to do until they're able to say, it is finished. I pray, oh God, that they will commit to a local church and that together, together, we will see your kingdom come. And your will done as it's done in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together and then we're out of here. God bless you.